Hey everyone, and welcome to the Bible Breakdown Podcast. In this podcast, we will be breaking down the Bible one chapter a day. Whether you are a new believer or have been following Christ for a while, we believe that you will learn something new and fresh every single day. So thank you for joining us, and let's get into breaking down the Bible together. Well, hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Bible Breakdown Podcast with your host, Pastor Brandon, and I'm really excited about this one. If I were to give this a title, which is Chapter 5 of Numbers, if I were to give it a title, it would either be Pre-Trip Checklist or How to Prepare for a Long Journey. I almost feel like Bilbo Baggins, right? Right before they get started off on this long journey, that's exactly what's happening today. So I'm going to jump right into this. But before we do that, as always, if you are enjoying this, you're finding value from it, please make sure to share this with other people. We really want to just bring back the joy of reading God's word every single day, because the more we learn, more the read rather, the more we find, more we dig the more we find. And especially when it comes to the book of Numbers, because the book of Numbers, we talked about this in Hebrew, the way that they title this book is In the Wilderness. And that's what really this whole book is about, is it is jumping back in at the end of the book of Exodus and really learning how to trust God. If I were to give an overall theme for the book of Numbers, it is learning how to trust God. And so if you know someone who could really get value out of reading this, I want you to tell them, hey, you should start listening to the podcast or watching the videos so we can just learn God's word together. And my hope as well is that as we read together, slowly you'll begin to kind of learn how to read God's word for yourself and kind of work my way out of a job, if I could say it like that. And one of the things I want to start teaching you more and more is that context is king. The idea behind that is, is to remember that the original intent was not written to us, but it was written for us. So when we put ourselves in the mind of the average Hebrew you know, Israelite during that time, we're going to be able to understand the context so much better. Also to realize that our goal is to find out what the author intended, not what we intend for it to mean. So, so taking scripture as it is, and then also interpreting it in light of the literary genre that it's in. So you hear me start to say context is king. You're going to understand what I'm trying to say is we're trying to put our minds exactly where the people are. And that's going to become very important today in Numbers chapter 5 because they're getting ready. They're, they have received the covenant in, at the Mount Sinai and they're getting ready to head to the promised land. I mean, they're they're getting weaponed up. <laughs> you know, they're getting everybody where they need to be because they're getting ready to travel and go take on whatever it takes Whatever comers may happen, we're going to take the promised land. And so you get yourself in that mindset. There's got to be this excitement. But before they hit the road, God's going to say, hey, there's three things that you need to know about. There's more coming. But in this chapter, there's three things you need to know about. And we're going to read about them. And the third one is really exciting because we're going to be able to see Jesus in the book of Numbers. And that's one of the reasons why we read the Old Testament. Is there are so many things in the New Testament, especially the Gospels, that we can read and we can enjoy, but when we understand the Old Testament, it just brings the Bible to life. So I want to read this to you. If you got your Bibles, your NLT Bibles with you, you got your cup of coffee ready to go, we're going to read this and we're going to break it up into three sections because God's first going to tell them what to do when you have someone who is sick with a skin disease. We're going to like, harken back to the book of Leviticus. Second part is what to do when you sin. And number three, what do you do when the second most important relationship in your life 
comes into question. So let's read this, and we're going to break it down together. We get to that third part. I want to show you where you can see Jesus. So here's the first one. You know, Numbers chapter 5, verse 1 through 4 says, The Lord, remember that's Yahweh, gave these instructions to Moses. Command the people of Israel to remove from the camp anyone who has a skin disease or a discharge or has become ceremonially unclean by touching a dead person. This command applies to men and women alike. Remove them so that they may not defile the camp in which I live among them. So the Israelites did as the Lord commanded Moses and removed such people from the camp. Now, that may sound kind of harsh. What, you know, why, why are you going to do that? But you've got to remember in the context of the time, these people didn't have modern medicine. They didn't have any medicine. And so the only way to stop an infection from spreading to everybody else in the camp is you had to isolate them. And so what God is saying is, is these few people are going to need to be removed so that the majority of everybody is able to be safe. And that may sound harsh in our 21st century mindset of modern medicine, but that was really the only thing they could do during the time. The next section, he says this in verse 5, Then the Lord said to Moses, Give the following instructions to the people of Israel. If any of the people, men or women, betray the Lord in doing wrong to another person, they are guilty. They must confess their sins and make full restitution for what they have done, adding an additional 20% and returning it to the person who was wronged. But if the person who was wronged is dead and there is no near relatives of whom restitution can be made, the payment belongs to the Lord and must be given to the priests. Those are the priests. Those who are guilty must also bring a ram as a sacrifice and they will be purified and made right with the Lord. All the sacred offerings that the Israelites bring to a priest will belong to him. Each priest may keep all the sacred donations that he receives. I love this idea that God says, when you sin, don't forget who primarily you're sinning against. Notice that he said, when someone betrays God by wronging someone else. Isn't that an interesting thought that God is saying, when you sin, remember, it's between me and you. And so, yes, there are other people involved and there's other things that need to happen, but realize that sin is a me and you issue. And so we need to get this right. I'm curious, how, how much more seriously would we take sin if we realized that every time we did something that is missing the mark of perfection, that's what sin is, is missing the mark. Every time we sin, it's against God. We'd probably be more careful with the words we say and the actions and that we have and uh, the intentions of our heart. We'd be more careful to realize Man, this is God we're doing this against. And so God is saying, before you hit the road, remember, anyone that is that has got a, a disease or something that will cripple the nation, you got to remove them from the group. Number two is to realize that along the way, there's going to be things that's going to happen. There's going to be there's going to be bad moments that's going to happen. You you got to be careful how you live and realize that if you sin, it's against me. So you got to make it right. Now the hope is is that they wouldn't sin, but if they did. Here's a way to always get back to God, always coming back to him. Okay, now let's finish this up. And here's here's the context I want you to realize. There's a, a story in the book of John. The Bible said one day Jesus was in the temple and there was a woman. We don't even know her name. She was just called the woman caught in the act of adultery. And what happens is, is these people catch her in the act of adultery and they drag her to the temple and they encounter Jesus. 
And while they are there, they, you know, they, they have her there in front of everybody. And you imagine how embarrassing this must have been for this lady. And, and we don't want to make light of the fact that she was caught in sin. She did a, she did a bad thing. But then caught in the act means she probably wasn't dressed properly and all of that. And now she's there in front of everybody naked, ashamed, and she knows the penalty. She's been caught in the act. And so the penalty is death. She's going to be put to death. They didn't, they, they didn't take adultery you know, uh, as some little thing. It was a big deal. They come to Jesus and they say, we've caught this lady in the act of adultery, the very act. But before we kill her, what do you say? And the Bible said that he didn't respond to them, but instead he got down in the dirt and he started to write in the dirt. And as they continued to press him, he looked up and he said, he who was without sin cast the first stone. And the Bible said one by one from the oldest to the youngest, they all walked away. And then you know, he looked back up because he looked down at that point and he saw they were all gone. And he looked to the lady and said, woman, where are your accusers? And she said, I, 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 don't, I don't have anything right here. And he says, neither do I condemn you. Go, but sin no more. Now, that's a wonderful story in the Gospel of John. Here's the question. Where was he? Where was Jesus in the temple when they came to him? Well, most scholars believe he was right where this right here is described. So now knowing that story, they brought this lady and he started writing in dirt. Let's read this story or this read this command. The Bible says in Numbers 5 verse 11, and the Lord said to Moses, give the following instructions to the people of Israel. Suppose a man's wife goes astray and is unfaithful to her husband and has sex with another man, but neither her husband nor anyone else knows about it. She has defiled herself, even though there was no witness and she was not caught in the act. If her husband becomes jealous and is suspicious of his wife and needs to know whether or not she has defiled herself, the husband must bring his wife to the priest. He must also bring an offering of two quarts of barley flour to be presented on her behalf. Do not mix the olive oil or frankincense, for it is a jealousy offering, an offering to prove whether or not she is guilty. The priest will then present her to stand trial before the Lord. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it, pour it into pour it into the dust that is taken from the tabernacle floor. Did you hear that? I just messed it up. So read that verse again, verse 17. He must take some holy water in a clay jar and pour it into pour into it dust that is taken from the tabernacle floor. When the priest has presented the woman before the Lord, he must unbind her hair and place her hair on the offering to proof the jealousy offering to determine whether her husband's suspicions are justified. The priest will stand before her holding the jar of bitter water that brings a curse to those who are guilty. The priest will then put the woman under an oath and say to her, if no other man has had sex with you and you are you have not gone astray and defiled yourself under uh, your husband's authority, May you be immune from the effects of this bitter water that it brings on the curse. But if you have gone astray by being unfaithful to your husband and you have defiled yourself by having sex with another man, at this point, the priest must put the woman under an oath by saying, may the people know that the Lord's curse is upon you when he makes you infertile, causing your womb to shrivel and your abdomen to swell. Now, may this water that brings the curse into your body and cause your abdomen to swell and your womb to shrivel, and the Lord will require, well, and the woman will be required to say, Yes, let it be so. And the priest will write these curses on a piece of leather and wash them off into the bitter water. He will then make the woman drink the bitter water that brings on the curse. 
When the woman enters, when the water enters her body, it will cause bitter suffering if she is guilty. The priest will take the jealousy offering from the woman's hand, lift it up before the Lord, and carry it to the altar. He will then take a handful of flour as a token portion uh, and burn it on the altar. And he will require the woman to drink the water. If she has defiled herself by being unfaithful to her husband, the woman that brings the water that brings on the curse will cause bitter suffering. Her abdomen will swell and her womb will shrink and her name will become cursed among her people. But if she has not defiled herself and is pure, then she will be unharmed and it will still and she will still be able to have children. This is the ritual law for dealing with suspicion. If a woman goes astray and defiles herself while under her husband's authority, or if a man becomes jealous and is suspicious that his wife has been unfaithful, the husband must present his wife before the Lord, and the priest will apply this entire ritual to her. The husband will be innocent of any guilt in this matter, but his wife will be held accountable for her sin. Now, there's a lot there, but this is what they said would happen. Let's say, that you're on your way while you're you're getting from here to the promised land and you think sums up there's, there's been a little, little little something happening you can't prove it but you think something's going on well here's one of the amazing things about the law the law gave so many rights back to women during this time women didn't have any say in anything and so if it's situation outside of you know, the, the Israelite community, if, if a woman was suspected of committing adultery, which is kill her, <laughs> just, just kill her and move on. But in this situation, God gave so much right to the woman to have her say, but yet at the same time, the husband can't prove it. So instead of just killing her, or instead of her just being able to say, well, you can't prove it, instead now it's bring it to me. Bring it to me, and I will help you figure it out. And so what this does is it takes it out of the he said, she said. So the woman has got the right to have her day in court, pretty much. But then also, the husband's hands aren't tied because he can't prove it. But instead, they can bring it before the Lord. But here's the amazing thing. Remember what it said. If he can't prove it, but he thinks so, he goes to the priest. And the priest will do these different things, but then he will also take some of the dust from the floor of the tabernacle and put it in this bitter water. And what many scholars think is that the reason why they had taken this woman out and brought her to where they end up finding Jesus is that because Jesus already knew he was at the part of the tabernacle where you would have had to take or temple where you would have had to take in this lady. And so when he goes to writing in the dirt, he's writing in the same dirt that they would have used for the bitter water. And so what he's doing is, is he's saying, yeah, this is, this is the symbol that we've been doing the whole time, but he who's without sin cast the first stone. And so this, where they're going to try to try this lady to prove that they caught her at adultery is the very place that Jesus is waiting to give forgiveness and healing. I think that's amazing. I think it's absolutely amazing how God's word kind of all comes together. And so this kind of wrap this up. If I were to give this chapter an overall title, it would be this idea of how to prepare for a long journey. And I would say that three things that could come out of this is, number one, not everyone will be able to take that journey with you. Maybe there's some kind of you know spiritual sickness in their life, or maybe their journey is elsewhere. But God's Word says that people who can't make that journey with you simply aren't going to be able to make that journey with you. The second thing is, is be careful how you live. Realize that when you sin against somebody else, you're really primarily sinning against God. 
So be very careful how you live. And then number three, always bring every dispute to the Lord. Always make sure you make God at the very center of everything because he's the one that always wants to lead you. So I hope you got something out of this. I'm curious about something as we get ready to end our time together. I would love to hear more from you. I have some people who have a way to connect with me. Not everybody does. And so I am considering the idea of maybe developing an email address where I could hear back from you or maybe creating a Facebook group so we could go back and forth because I really enjoy hearing your insights. What is it about God's word that stood out to you today? What have you studied about Numbers chapter five before that really brings the text to life? And so I want to know from you, if you're watching this on YouTube, I want you to put it in the comments below. If you're watching this or listening to this on our podcast, I want you to like and subscribe to this and let me know under that, how you'd like us to contact one another. But I'd love to create a community out of this, of us just reading God's word together. So let me pray for you. I'm going to give the priestly blessing and we're going to be done for today. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you, God, that in every situation, you are there. Thank you, God, that you always provide a way back for us and you always want to be part of our lives in every way. I pray, Holy Spirit, you will continue to speak to us in every way. In Jesus' name we pray. Don't forget, Numbers chapter 6 says, May the Lord bless you and protect you. May the Lord smile on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord show you his favor and give you his peace. I love you. I'll see you next time for Numbers chapter 6.